0: Me 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 me. Me 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 Is this the
1: is this the Muppet version of Yeah? Is Fitz happy?
0: Hmm, Kermit the Frog here. Welcome back to uh Is Fitz Happy? <laughs> and um I got Miss Piggy on the other side here. I don't I simply don't remember how she sounds. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Is Fits Happy? I'm Luke. And I'm Emma. And this week we're talking about chapter 23, Consequences. Now before we get into this chapter, one, it's been a while since we've uh, we've been talking at you guys, so welcome back. We've taken a little holiday break. Yes. Hope you guys had nice uh, winter or summer breaks, depending on where you live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're ready to get back into it, although we are uh, starting out with a downer of a chapter. So this is your content warning for this episode. We'll be discussing sexual assault in terms of Cyrilla's character, uh, especially where we left off with her last time. So please take care of yourself. And if you don't want to tune into this episode, totally fine. Catch us on the next one because we'll be moving on to a different point of view. But this one does have heavy doses of that talk and the consequences and what her character is going through.
1: Right. And it's just a pretty good idea to skip the chapter as a whole if this is something that you do not want to or cannot read or listen to. Um,
0: Yeah. Sometimes we've done timestamps, but I think this, I don't know, we haven't recorded it yet, but I think this episode is going to be just a content warning in general.
1: Yeah. And we want you guys to be safe and healthy and um, don't push yourself to listen to something just because we're the ones talking about it. Yep. Um,
0: going into the new year, especially take care of yourselves. Definitely.
1: <laughs> but we, If we are losing you out this week, we will see you next week.
0: But without further ado, let's talk about chapter 23. And as I mentioned, it is Cirilla. We're going back over to her point of view. And Emma, as you recall, we left off... With her and Satrap Cosgo discussing things, him, of course, being insufferable as he is, he finally makes the decision to give her to the captain.
1: Yes, because she won't give herself to him. Yes. Um. So it was a punishment um, or used as a punishment, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. And in typical Robin Hobb fashion, we kind of start in where Cyrilla's in the captain's cabin and then she kind of recounts how she got there and what has led up to this point so far. So I think we'll just take it how it's written in here instead of chronologically.
1: Right, definitely. And I do want to say I think Robin Hobb does a really good job of writing trauma. Um, I think that something that's really well done specifically for this chapter is the disjointedness feeling of everything. It almost feels like Cyrilla herself doesn't really have a timeline. She doesn't have a full understanding of time passage. And so we don't feel that. And it just is uneasy and unsettling and uncomfortable, but in a way that's very purposely done. And I think really well done Mm -hmm. and that we really get to feel or go through what Cyril is going through, obviously to a much lesser extent, but her point of view, we get to see that and really understand that. Mm
0: Definitely. Definitely it starts off with Cirilla thinking that she had not left the captain's cabin since she had been dragged there, which really goes hand in hand with what you were saying, that she hasn't left. She doesn't know the passage of time. She doesn't know what's going on outside. It's all contained within Cirilla's mind in this, uh, in this chapter, for most of it at least. Right. So that's pretty much all we get is her thoughts and feelings going through this. She specifically says that She forced herself to review the events in her mind, but her memories would not stay in proper order. They jumped and jiggled about, the moments of terror and pain leaping up to demand her attention even as she refused to think about them. She recounts how she fought the sailor who was bringing her to the captain's cabin, how he literally didn't care about anything. That she was doing to struggle or anything like that. And neither did the crew or anybody else who even may have recognized her. They just ignored her as she was dragged past.
1: Right. And she talks about how she is feeling a lot of shame in that she was dragged away. She really has this there's this overwhelming sense throughout of this disappointment in herself almost. I think that just is very reoccurring of. There's a lot of blame being put on herself where she in, she says she wants to act with dignity, but she can't even do that much and ends up fighting back and is so embarrassed because... Because
0: the sailor just puts her over a shoulder right? carries her away.
1: And then she feels like she's, you know, being too much and fighting to get away from this situation. And it's really sad because obviously there's nothing that she could have done... In this situation, she's trapped on a boat with people that can overpower her. Like, there's literally no version is the right version, I guess, um, of what she should be doing. None of them are the wrong version either. But it's really sad because she's, you know, obviously picking those little parts that she feels she has control of to be critical of because everything else is kind of out of her
0: control. Exactly. And as I mentioned Her screams were ignored, the satraps' party just kind of turned away and didn't look at her at all. And all she can really remember, and she can't forget, is the expressions of Cosco and Kiki as they hauled her away. Cosco smiled in smug triumph while Kiki roused from her drugged stupor to watch in fascinated titillation. Her hand had lingered on Cosco's thigh. So this is kind of circling back to what you said at the beginning this is sticking out in her mind one because yes Costco put her there but also she could have gone the way of Kiki right Right. that was basically her other option right and as you mentioned just now neither are right or wrong and they're both disgusting
1: (laughs) right there it's a rock in a hard place it's Though she somewhat has a choice, there is no choice. Like, the choice is that she has no choice. She just gets to pick who her captor is. Like, it's just...
0: And as you mentioned, that really plays into her control and her feeling of losing control, which kind of, I think, affects her character through the rest of this trilogy. Definitely. And really, really plays part Later on when she does get free and is in Bing town and is trying to seize control of the whole town. I think this event specifically and this feeling of lacking any choice, of losing all control, really, really affects her decisions yeah, down I, the road.
1: I agree. And I think it especially is interesting because Cyrilla isn't necessarily a likable character from the beginning right obviously right. this is a horrible thing and you don't have to be a good person for people to feel no, bad she's for you
0: sympathetic Definitely. but she's not a great person <laughs> right and so I
1: think it's really interesting to see and moving forward it will be interesting to see just the changes of who we know her as before the boat trip and who she becomes after the boat trip yeah um because I think there are Like I think we said before, whenever we saw her the very first time, like she already has these characteristics of wanting power and being ambitious and Mm -hmm. being in control. Like those are already aspects of her personality that are there. It's just obviously the trauma of this incident really turns that up to 90 and really does something. And so it's really interesting to have this character respond in that way I guess and it still feels so true to them and yeah I don't know I again I, I think this is really well done as horrible as it is <laughs> oh yeah it's not it's not fun to read but <laughs> at least it's well done I guess
0: <laughs> and so uh, she is put into the captain's cabin and she doesn't know how long she waits again there's that uneasy feeling of not knowing the passage of time even for the readers here. And fear had been her constant, had been her constant companion here. She, she cycled from rage to despair to terror. By the time the man actually arrived, Cirilla was already exhausted from shouting, weeping, and pounding on the door. And he takes advantage of her. She says, not savagely, but matter-of-factly. And he just uses her like an object and then ignores her the rest of the time.
1: She also says nothing in her scholarly upbringing or days at court had ever prepared her for anything like this. And I think that's really important to point out because she keeps going back to really demeaning herself for being pampered and feeling above it before right. this incident. And I think that's something that's really sad also, that she's just like so disdainful of who she is to this degree because of what has happened. And yeah. it's, yeah, just a repeating theme.
0: Now she's thinking how many days ago was that first time she didn't know she had not left the cabin since then. And time was broken up into when the man was there and when he was not. Sometimes he used her other times he ignored her. He was impersonal in his cruelty. He did not notice her in any other way. He made no attempt to win her affection. He showed her the same courtesy he gave to the chamber pot or spittoon. He never spoke to her. She was there to use when he felt the need. If she made it difficult with resistance or pleading, he would hit her. And just, she explains that it's matter of fact. And even with her knowing that it's not even close to actually using strength, it still makes her real. And there's this feeling of helplessness in these first couple pages here, where she's just completely overpowered and can't do anything. And again, like you said, kind of blaming it on not being prepared.
1: Yeah. It's this really interesting thing where Cyrilla very clearly holds herself accountable for a lot of this. She also understands that this is something being done to her and that this is horrible treatment being right. done to her. But there is that underlying feeling of, Oh, if I would have done this differently, if I could have done this better, if I would have prepared for this, none of this would have happened, which I think is really common in survivors, especially just I think it's just the way's the brain's way of making sense of a situation. Yeah,
0: I was going to say it's kind of you see glimpses of the brain trying to explain away things or right. protect her, like right. subconsciously of just like oh, you could have changed this instead of being like no, you have to deal with it now as it is because
1: yeah, it's, nothing
0: you did could have changed it.
1: Right, and that's a really hard thing to grapple with, especially yeah. still in the midst of things happening to her. I also wanted to point out that when the captain is being physically violent with her. She specifically says, the lack of malice with which he struck her was more frightening than the blows. Hurting her was of no concern to him. And I think it, it, this is such a scary place to be in. She is right. regarded like furniture. She is mm-hmm. just another utensil for the captain to use when he wants to. And she's not even a person anymore anymore. To in at least in the eyes of this Chalcedian captain. Right. And that's so heartbreaking <laughs> and so hard. And the fact that she has been in this situation long enough, we still, we, I don't think we ever get an exact timeline. I guess we could probably piece it together just based off of the fact that all of these chapters are kind of ha- happening in tandem.
0: Maybe so, like a week or so.
1: Yeah. So there's potentially a week or more. It has, to, I think it's more than a week. You
0: think so? Okay.
1: Um, but just because multiple people die. <laughs> yeah, maybe two. So, yeah, I feel like a little bit more than a week, but who knows, an indiscriminate amount of time, and we don't ever really get that answer. And she doesn't either, but it is just kind of one long nightmare for her.
0: Yeah. She says early on she thought of revenge and was kind of trying to pry around the cabin, see what she could find. Nothing was really opening because the uh, the captain is a... Paranoid and suspicious man, so everything's kind of locked down. Right. And she did find some documents on the desk that indicated her suspicions were well-founded. She recognized a chart of Bingtown Harbor and a map of the area around the mouth of the Rainwild River. Like all such maps she had ever seen, there were great blank spaces. There were letters there as well, but she did not read the Chalcedian language. The documents contained a mention of money and the names of two nobles— It might have been information about bribes, but it might also have been a bill of lading. She put everything back exactly as she found it. But either she had not done a good enough job, or the beating he gave her that night was for a different offense. And there went her remaining thoughts of revenge and resistance. Her mind retreated, leaving her body to function on its own. She no longer even thought of survival. She just kind of retreated into herself.
1: Yeah, I think that this description is really reminiscent of Fitz when he's in the cellar Regal's um, basement. Yeah. yeah. Obviously there's a lot of differences because the situations are very different and Fitz's situation is purely physical and I guess mental torture.
0: It's mental torture too. Cause Will but, is there.
1: Yeah. But it's not, um, it's not rape. So right. <laughs> there, there is difference in that, yeah. but, there is that sense of just at some point you just kind of exist and you're just kind of there. And it's because you can't stop what's happening. And it's just so just as heartbreaking as when I read it for with Fitz's point of view, maybe a little less heartbreaking because we're not as deeply entrenched in Cirilla's Yeah, thoughts. this is like
0: the fourth chapter with her or something. Yeah,
1: but it's still like that same feeling of just... When I read these types of chapters from Robin Hopp, I just feel so like, I don't know, there's like so much anxiety and pressure in my chest. I get so like sad. And so, yeah, it's, it just made me think of that as well. Just the same.
0: So she retreats into herself and the next passage we get here is basically just a reflection of what Cirilla was saying before, how she's kind of ignoring those thoughts. She was just on survival and no longer really consciously there. So it's kind of just a string of recollections of her huddling on the bed because she doesn't really have intact clothes anymore. Not really understanding what's going on today. He might kill her. Maybe we'll do it tomorrow. Who knows what's going on? I'm just surviving, you know?
1: Yeah. And I think
0: yeah, I think it's. He, d- he does, uh, excuse me, Cyrilla does say in here, worst of all, he might return her to the satrap, a broken toy that no longer amused him. Eventually, he would get her pregnant. Then what? This present that she endured had irreparably destroyed all her futures that might be. She would not think. As she mentions in the previous passage, retreating inside herself, but there's still these thoughts that kind of pop up, and she's desperately pushing down again, and still her thoughts are on Cosgo. Right. And the relationship there between them.
1: Well, yeah, and I think that's really interesting to see how the bits of self come in and just the worry of the future and how even that is tainted with the fear of now and how nothing that she can think of escapes what is happening. Like, there's not even thought of what she could do once the ship Is landed at least at this point of the chapter, it's just, oh my gosh, these are the natural conclusions. What happens next? What happens to me? This is never ending. I'm never getting out. And it's just really a downward spiral for her. So these questions are really just working as continuously feeding on that fear. It's not necessarily productive. Right. And yeah, I also, I do want to back up just for a second. I want to ask um, who, what do you think the paperwork was about? do you think this is bribes do you think this is
0: with what we find out later it's probably bribes or a deal made because we know that um the nobles that wanted cosgo out are basically get, creating a coup they're taking over they want cosgo to die out there right so i would assume they're kind of in league with the uh the Chelseaans and we always have known, and further into the next books as well, know that the Chelscedans are searching for what's up the Rainwald River, how to get there, and specifically Dragon parts later on for the Duke, right? because they have healing properties or whatever. So I'm figuring that this deal that Bing or excuse me that Jamalia made is to seed them Bing town in some way, you know. Mm-hmm. Get rid of the, get rid of the satrap, and you guys can have this. Right.
1: And did you th- do you think the money went to the Chalcedians or was it to the Jamalians?
0: Mm, probably to the Jel- the Chalcedians, I would guess. I think uh, the Jamalian nobles are just sick of Cosgo, want him fair. out.
1: I mean, to be fair, he is not a good leader. No. So.
0: No. He's not, I wouldn't even call him a leader at all. Right.
1: Not that I think that somebody deserves to be murdered over that, but I understand. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and yet he remains the satrap at the end of this. Yeah, well. <laughs> she is also looking out the window and kind of recounting the times she has looked out the window in general. Doesn't really know where they are, but they're passing islands. There's some birds calling out, and every so often she sees... Other ships leave their convoy and come back with more slaves because they've been raiding the settlements, the pirate settlements.
1: Right. In the inside passage.
0: Yep. And they seem to be doing well at it, she remarks.
1: This part is a little crazy to me because why are they able to do that with all of Kenneth's people around? I guess I don't know how big Kenneth's crews are we know that there's at least two other ships besides the two that Kenna is currently sailing with. Yeah. Um. There's got to be a little bit more than that because there was a big time jump between when he started establishing that he would free slaves, give them the ship. Yeah. And I would
0: guess maybe like four. Yeah. Something like that.
1: So it's a little bit crazy to me that they're going unchallenged in the inside passage I mean, when that's.
0: It's a group of like five ships itself with like at least five ships with chalcedon war galleys escorting them yes there's no way that pirates would ever confront them or even show their sails there probably they're a singular ship they they work alone
1: yeah but hear me out the ships are breaking away from the group of five to go do the raids it seems like it's just like one ship leaving to do it and then coming back
0: yeah but that would just be a lone settlement right they go there and come back it's not that far away, I would guess. They're not sailing multiple days alone and then coming multiple days back.
1: Yeah, but they still, you would think, be out of sight of, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It just
0: I just think it's too big of a force for them to be confronted, really. That's and it's fair. a big ocean, you know, That's big true. seas. That's true. Lots of stuff going on. She says that someday they would get to Bingtown. When that thought came to Cirilla, it was like a tiny crack through which light shone. If she could somehow escape in Bingtown, if she could get ashore, she could conceal who she had been and what had happened to her. That was very important to her. Her mind recoiled from continuing this life. She could no longer be Syrilla. Syrilla was a soft, pampered academic, a gently reared scholar, and a courtwoman of words and thoughts. She despised Syrilla. Syrilla was too weak to fight off this man. Cyrilla had been too foolishly proud to accept the satrap's offer to bet him instead of the Chalcedon. Cyrilla was too cowardly to plot how to kill the captain or even how to kill herself. Even knowing that Bingtown was her last hope in the world, she could not focus her mind enough to form an escape plan. Some vital part of herself had been, if not destroyed, suspended. She detached herself from Cyrilla and shared the world's contempt for her. And so this is kind of the culmination of multiple points that we've been making, right? It's her blaming Cirilla, right. her being the core of her, blaming this pampered scholar who was not prepared for this, so blaming herself. Two, it's a lot about that control, her lack of it. And she's like, oh, Cirilla is too, you know, too pampered and and not smart enough to even think of an escape, but I can't be her later when I do escape, if that happens. Right. Right. <laughs> and I can't be here. I'll kill Cirilla. So I'll be someone else. I'll control my own destiny from there. No one can know what happened to me that I lost this control that I w- that it was out of my hands.
1: Yeah. I think that especially is a big highlight that no one can know. This yeah. is something that is very important that she needs to disappear. And I mean, fairly so It like it, makes sense. I understand what she's going through here. And I think it's really, really heartbreaking this chap or this like paragraph especially is really heartbreaking to me. It's just so sad to see her beat herself up in this way for something that isn't her fault. Yeah. And is not in her control. And I think Again, I just think it's really well written. I think it it makes sense that she would feel this way, but it's so heartbreaking because obviously as readers, we know that it's not her fault and we don't feel that way about Cirilla. Right. But it's really sad that she's like, even the world hates Cirilla, so I will too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I don't know, I just, my heart breaks for her. It's really, really sad.
0: The end of her ordeal came as abruptly as it had begun. A sailor unlocked the cabin one day and gestured for her to follow. She clutches the blanket to herself as she cowers and asks, Where are you taking me? Satrap, the one word was his reply. Either he spoke no more of the language than that, or he considered it ample. He jerked his head toward the door again. She knew she had to obey and when she stood she wrapped a blanket about herself. Sailor didn't try to take it from her, and the gratitude she felt for this brought tears to her eyes. When he was sure she was following, he led the way. She followed him cautiously. Light is really bright, she kept her eyes downcast and hurried along, and she tried to go to her old cabin, but a shout from her guide made her cringe, and so she is directed and ushered towards the satrap's cabin. She expected he would knock the door, but instead he just kind of throws open the door and gestures her to enter. She enters and then the door uh, closes on her as he says satrap Yeah. once again.
1: I do want to say I think it's really sad that we see her um, come out of this room. She's been in this place long enough to wear the simple, I want to put in heavy quotations, courtesy of allowing her to stay covered up. Is something she feels grateful towards?
0: Yeah, just the fact that the sailor didn't try to take the blanket from her was enough. Like, oh my god, you're letting me have this.
1: Like, that's so nice of you. Like, I'm, I'm crying. Like, oh, I'm crying too, but for a different reason. Like- <laughs> I mean, she
0: she stealed herself for a blow when she asked, "Where are you taking me?"
1: Right. It's yeah, very sad. I also want to point out. I think we kind of skimmed over this part, but Cirilla also mentions that. She has learned that she has to eat the scraps of the captain's food, yeah. And so this whole time, however long it has been, she has not been eating properly because the captain doesn't always eat in his cabin and she's yeah. not even afforded a meal,
0: yeah, she would know he he never brought food to her. and she had to learn to eat the remains on his plate,
1: right, which also is why I think it was longer than a week because I think if he's not. Regularly eating in there. How often did he have to do it before she realized? Oh, that's the only food Mm -hmm. I have access to. True. So, So anyway, she is thrust into this situation where she is put into the room. The door has closed behind her, and she kind of is able to get out of her head in, in a little way because I think at this point she goes from, this is Syrilla's fault. I can't believe I was too dumb and naive to and weak to be able to stop this, to actually know this was something that was done to me. And how dare everyone else just go on living?
0: Yeah. So she is in this stifling room that's not really opened up. It smells of sweat and sickness. And she sees that all of these sensors for smoke and the glasses from the the rings of condensation from the glasses on the tables and stuff are still there. So obviously parties have been going on for a while. It doesn't look like anything's changed.
1: Right. And it's the room is messy, but it's not a pigsty. Like it looks like somebody tried to clean a little bit. Well,
0: picked up, but didn't yeah. clean. <laughs>
1: yeah. it's It's just it's organized clutter.
0: Yes. The room was accusingly familiar. It was like awakening from a bad dream. How could this room with its domestic clutter still exist so unchanged after all she had been through? She stared around, her days slowly lifting. While she had been held captive and raped repeatedly, a single deck away, life had gone on for the satrap and his party. Her absence had changed nothing for them. They had continued to drink and dine, to listen to music and play games of chance. The litter and mess of their safely ordinary lives suddenly enraged her. A terrible strength flooded her. She could have smashed the chairs against the table, could have shattered the heavy stained glass of the windows and flung his paintings and vases and statues into the sea. She did not. She stood still, savoring her fury and containing it until it became her. It was not strength, but it would do.
1: So I think this really shows that that change, where Mm -hmm. this is, she's found a way to come back to herself. I guess
0: is how I would explain it. A little bit, yeah. Somehow recapture some life. Yes, that fled because she was protecting herself.
1: Yeah, and I think
0: allowing herself to feel again,
1: definitely. And I think that it's it's really good that she is able to get herself out of the state of not even wanting to exist and at least like find that ray of hope for life again.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: I, yeah. So <laughs> I want to wear that really carefully because I don't think any of this should have happened to her and I don't think it's fair in any means, but I am happy to see her able to cling to an emotion mm-hmm. and start the hard climb out of what she has gone through even if that means she has to hold on to anger and she does. And she uses that almost as a crutch, I guess, to keep herself going to acknowledge that there is a future that she can work towards. Mm -hmm. And that's what she has to do right now.
0: And the source of her anger groans all of a sudden, she thought the room was deserted, but she stalks over to the, uh, the bed and sees Satrap sprawled there in a wallow of bedding. His face was pale, his hair sweated to his brow. The smell of sickness was thick about him, a blanket thrown to the floor beside the bed. stank of vomit and bile. As she stared down at him, his eyes opened. He blinked stickily, then appeared to focus on her. Syrilla, you've come back. Thanks, Sa. I fear I am dying. I hope you are. She spoke each word clearly as she stared at him. He cowered. The hands that clutched the edge of his blanket trembled. To have lived in fear for all those days and then discover that the man who had given her over to such treatment was now sickened and wasted was too great an irony. In his illness, his wasted face finally resembled his father's. That brief resemblance both stabbed and strengthened her. She would not be what Cosgo had tried to make her. She was stronger than that. She discards her blankets, walks over to the wardrobe, and doesn't even cringe from her nakedness anymore, and doesn't care. She's just rummaging through Satrap Kazka's wardrobe to find something to wear that will fit her.
1: And it's not just her nakedness that doesn't bother her, it's his eyes on her that doesn't bother her.
0: She finally gets some, you know, loose trousers and and a vest and is running a brush through her hair and kind of straightening herself up. Cosgo watched her in dull consternation and says finally, I called for you after Kiki sickened. By then there was no one else left to tend me. We were all having such fun before the sickness came. Everyone got so sick so quickly. Lord Durden died right after our card game one night. Then the others began to get sick. He lowered his voice. I suspect it is poison, none of the crew has been ill, only me and those loyal to me. In addition, the captain does not even seem to care. They sent servants to tend me, but many of them are sick, and the rest are fools. I have tried all my medicines, but nothing eases me. Please, Cyrilla, don't leave me to die. I don't want to be tipped overboard like Lord Durden, and she's just sitting there, braiding her hair, looking at her face in the mirror trying to clear, clean off the dried blood that was on her nose. Meeting her reflection, she doesn't re- recognize it. It was as if a frightened, angry animal lurked behind her eyes. She had become dangerous, she thought to herself. That was the difference. She finally glances over at him and says, Why should I care? You gave me to him, like a leftover bone thrown to a dog. Now you expect me to care for you? She turns to face him and looks him in the eye. I hope you die. She spoke the words slowly and individually, willing him to understand how completely she meant them.
1: So I want to say, I think it is incredibly brave and shows a lot of strength on Cyrilla's part for her to say this, not once but twice, and actually a couple more times after this, yeah. say straight to the satrap, who could have her sent back? immediately, I hope you die. I don't care about you. And it's ridiculous. You think I'm going to help you. Like, I I really think that takes a lot of strength because yeah, he and could, Gregory. and yeah, he could send her back at any second. And she just is like, you know what? I don't care. I actually don't care. And you're not going to take that from me. And I don't know. I just, I really, I really appreciate that she still has that spark in her, that she still we still get to see that there isn't like fear of the satrap. Cosgo doesn't get her fear and doesn't get to know that part of what she's suffering. Right. And he even remarks that she's being just as mean as usual. So (laughs) I like, (laughs) but I, I don't know. I just, I like want to applaud her bravery there. I think it's, I think that's a, a, takes a lot to have faced down what she had just done or what she had just gone through, and then still choose to show no respect to the guy who could do it again to you. Mm -hmm. I like honestly, it's amazing. He's
0: as pitiful as always. He is. He's just like, oh, you can't hope that. I'm the sad trap. I'm special. I'm special. Poor, poor pitiful. The pearl throne has never been unoccupied, not for seventeen generations. It is now, she pointed out sweetly, and however the nobles are managing now is how they will manage when you are dead. Perhaps they won't even notice. And so she crosses the room to his jewelry boxes and starts raiding everything. There's one big locked one and she tries to throw it onto the the ground to open it up. Because she knows she needs wealth when she escapes in Bingtown.
1: But not only that. So I wanted to talk about this specifically because... In the last chapter we saw when she was deciding what power she could have, she was trying to figure out if she could make it seem as though she could like escape to Bingtown somehow and tell them. She needs their help from the Chalcedians. I, there was a specific passage where she talks about how she'll just say, I'm one of the heart companions and the Bingtung people will respect that. I can mm-hmm. get protection in that way. And then she realizes while looking at Kiki that she doesn't have any jewelry. And that is a mark of how uh, much a satrap yeah, true. likes you and respects you. But
0: she also thinks about like... How she needs jewelry to impress the traders.
1: Yes, that too. But especially because in their customs, that just shows wealth, but also favor from the satrap. And mm-hmm. she has never wanted that before now. It's never been an issue. She's not really somebody who goes to the courts in a way that it would affect her to not have jewelry because she liked other things as gifts. And so last chapter with Cyrilla, we saw that this was something Top of her mind of, oh, even if I get out of here, they're not going to believe me because I don't have any jewelry. I don't have any proof that besides her one ring that is the ring that all of the heart companions have, she didn't really have anything else. And so I think here that is stemming from that thought where. I need to laden myself with jewels. I need to get all this stuff on me, not only so that she has money or things she could sell, but because of how it will look to the Bingtown traders, that mm-hmm. she will get more sway and have more authority because she has more of the jewelry to show.
0: Yeah, that's a good thought too. She says never before had she worn such jewelry. It was almost like armor, she thought. Now she wore her worth on the outside of her body instead of within. It built her anger.
1: That also makes me really sad because Mm -hmm. her internal worth should not be judged by what is done to her.
0: Right. Well, I I, I don't honestly that passage. I mean, it's kind of hard not to relate it to what has happened to her in this chapter because it's so life altering. But that passage to me specifically just makes me think of what she thought before in the palace. Right. And going along with what you said, like she never really had much use for jewelry because it was her knowledge Mm -hmm. and her having to put on a bunch of jewelry to yeah um, show her favor or whatever, but also have wealth when she Mm -hmm. gets to Bing town angers her because now it seems like she's wearing her worth on the outside. So I think that's why it angers her. I I didn't even relate it really that heavily to what happened to her with the captain. Mm It was more of just like a shift in, Her need to go against her principles.
1: Mm. Okay. Yeah, no, I definitely read that as her feeling like since I don't have any worth inside anymore, I have to show the Mm. worth outside. I have to have worth outside. So
0: That could also be read like that, yeah. Well, the satrap is watching all of this because he's so sick and dying in the bed and he's like, what do you want me to do?
1: Why are you being so hateful to me? (laughs) Like, oh, if you think that's hateful. Oh, I would love to have a word. I'd love to have a little hateful word, Costco. (laughs)
0: Let's let's meet up. (laughs) He seemed so genuinely incredulous that she was jolted into an answer. You gave me over to a man who raped me repeatedly. He beat me. You did it deliberately. You knew what I was suffering. You did nothing. Until you needed me, you cared nothing for what became of me. You were amused by it. "'I do not see that you took great hurt from it,' he declared defensively. "'You are walking and talking and being as cruel to me as you always were. "'You women make so much of this. "'After all, it is what men naturally do to women. "'It is what you were made for but refuse to grant me,' he plucked petulantly at his blankets and muttered. "'Rape is nothing but an idea women created, "'to pretend that a man can steal what you have an infinite supply of.' You took no permanent harm from it. It was a rough jest, I admit, and ill-considered. But I do not deserve to die for it. No doubt when I am dead you will experience more of it, he pointed out with childish satisfaction. Only the truth of his last statement kept her from killing him at that moment. Before I move on to her rest of her response, I'll, uh, I'll address that... Uh, Setrap Cosgo seems to be liking uh, certain podcasts. Yeah, and as a is <laughs> he's avid. a tater tot. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, he's looking for a high value woman, Luke. You wouldn't understand.
0: People who have read and enjoyed the series, I'm sure, are a little bit more enlightened and deep thinking, and considerate, and empathetic, and sympathetic than uh, Cosgo's point of view. But for those who are not, please listen to me. He's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In, in pretty much every way, you can be wrong. He is wrong.
1: I mean, I would add to it, but I am but a lowly woman, so I think.
0: <laughs> good, good. Know your place. <laughs>
1: I'll let the omega Chad over here tell you. <laughs> Just kidding. Luke is definitely not that. But <laughs> but no, it's it's so disturbing to read. I think. It,
0: yeah, it's so disturbing to read it all. Laid out yeah. in ones because I mean this day and age we're so used to people kind of beating around the bush saying yes. the same things but they're being very diplomatic to reach as wide an audience as possible to get people into that that train of thought that yeah. mindset but Cosgo has already been indoctrinated into it and is talking to someone he views as inferior so he just lays it out on the table yeah. and it's it is oh it's so awful to just read
1: yeah and I think. I think the scariest part is that that's just a core belief. Like, he's not saying this with, like, any sort of malice or defensiveness. No. This is just the sky is blue sort of talk. Like, it's not. And I think that's the, like, hardest part of reading it, even.
0: Yeah, she she goes on to say the depth of her contempt for him was suddenly boundless. He had no concept of what he had done to her. Worse, he seemed incapable of understanding it. Yeah. And that's literally true, I think.
1: Yeah. And I mean, props to Cirilla because she's like, well, I'm not going to be able to convince him otherwise, so I don't need to. I'm not going to waste my time. Good for and, her. I mean, yeah, protect your peace, girl. Like, that is... Ugh. I I genuinely cannot even imagine having to look in the eyes of someone saying that to me. Like, I, I don't know what I'd do. I'd freak out. I would not be nice. I wouldn't be able to be calm and cool and collected. I would freak out.
0: <laughs> well, that, that last sentence there, no doubt when I am dead, you will experience more of it. That kept her from killing him. Right. And she knows she is surrounded by the enemy right now. Mm-hmm. She knows that is true. So, she has to keep him around. He is, unfortunately, her shield.
1: I mean, yeah, she now is stuck in this place of, I hate this person, I want them to die, but I need to keep them alive so that I can stay safe. What, how do I even begin to do that? What is even my plan?
0: I suppose I must give you presents and honors and bribes before you will take care of me, he sniffled a little.
1: Exactly. Her voice is cold. So he has given her she the says idea.
0: <laughs> she would be the most expensive whore he had ever created.
1: Honestly, good for you. Do yeah. it. Get your bread. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I can't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so she she's formulating a plan now. She has a direction to go in that Satrap has inadvertently given her. She goes over to the desk, gets some parchment, a pen, and pauses, frowning to herself, thinking of how to compose what she's about to do she
1: also realizes that she needs a bath so she goes she opens the door and says the satrap needs a bath please have one prepared a nice hot bath and then immediately closes it before anything can happen cuz she's still afraid like she still yeah. doesn't know what sort of sway she has what the what is happening really
0: mm-hmm. but
1: she's going to try her best and she did say it was for the satrap so that should
0: hopefully help a little And satrap's like, oh, I do not wish a hot bath. I am too weary as it is. Cannot you wash me where I lie? Perhaps she'd allow him to use the water when she was finished with it. Be quiet, I'm trying to think. What are you doing? Drawing up a document for you to sign. Be quiet, she considered terms. She was inventing a whole new position for herself as the satrap's permanent envoy to Bingtown, She would need a salary and allowance for suitable quarters and servants. She inked in a generous, but not outrageous, amount. How much power should she allot herself, she wondered, as her pen inscribed the flowing characters of the parchment. I'm thirsty, he whispered hoarsely. When I am finished, and you have signed this, then I will get you some water, she told him reasonably. In fact, he did not seem very ill to her. She suspected it was a combination of some true illness... "'seasickness, and wine and pleasure herbs. "'Put that with a lack of servants and companions fawning over him, "'and he believed he was dying. "'Fine, it well suited her purposes that he believed he he was dying.' "'Her pen paused. "'There were emetics and purges in the medical stores that he had brought with them. "'Perhaps in the course of caring for him, "'she could see that he did not recover too swiftly.' she needed him alive but only as far as bingtown she set aside her pen perhaps i should take time to prepare a remedy for you she conceded graciously she's gonna girl. yeah she's uh enacting her plan here do you think that his sickness is actually what cyrilla is thinking
1: i feel like she's probably mostly right i think there is a poison that's being spread around. I think the only reason that he is not dead is because of the um, medicine that makes him purge. Yeah. Um, And so that would get rid of the toxins that everybody else isn't privy to (laughs) the same herbs as he is.
0: Possibly. To get rid of it. I also think they still need him alive, right? Mm -hmm. The Chalcedians need the satrap alive for now. Um, But they don't need his entourage. That's true. And none of the crew is ill. So I feel like it's probably something they gave, Certain like in people. the food or something, that or could be true. you know, something like that, and maybe not you know enough to kill the satrap per se, but
1: and you know, now that I'm thinking about it, the last chapter he was Cyrilla did tell us that the satrap was really ill on board just with seasickness mm-hmm. and. Also doing all the drugs. Yeah. It like was making him really sick and he wasn't getting very much fresh air. So maybe it really is just he doesn't have any attention. True. And no so, one
0: telling him to like open up the windows or go on deck. Yeah. You know, nobody. Drink some water. Feeling bad
1: for him <laughs> or taking care of him at all. And so it's like, oh my gosh, I actually am dying. And and put that with everyone else around him has died.
0: Clearly, he would think... Well, I think only one person. He only mentioned Lord Durden.
1: He said, anyone loyal to me has died. And Kiki has died.
0: No, Kiki's alive. She's just fallen ill. Kiki is in Bingtown. She gets kidnapped with him mm. and then taken to the Rainwilds.
1: Mm, I thought he said that... I don't know. I.
0: Yeah, his passage here, the first thing he says to her is, I called for you after Kiki sickened. By then, there was no one left to tend me. We were all having such fun before the sickness came. Everyone got so sick so quickly. Lord Durden died right after a card game one night. Then the others began to get sick. So, guaranteed, Lord Durden is dead. Maybe some of the others, but Satrap only mentions Lord Durden. And I know for a fact that Kiki is alive.
1: Right. Okay. Okay, so maybe they're all just violently ill. Okay. Okay.
0: But I mean, some of the others could have died too.
1: Yeah. So maybe, maybe he does have whatever they have.
0: Yeah. It could just be like an illness or like a food sickness compounded with a bunch of stuff, you know?
1: And I mean, I wonder if like, this is so we're never going to get this answer and it does not matter. But I was going to say, I wonder if Lord Durden had any like underlying symptoms that (laughs) (laughs) like, (laughs) like it matters. Like, Oh, He died from whatever it is they did. He died. But after that, everybody gets sick. So I wonder if that was just like crazy coincidence. You know what I mean? Or if yeah. they actually did accidentally poison him too much. <laughs> I don't know. I am a little surprised that Kiki gets uh, poisoned or catches the sickness um, because she's Chalcedon. But I guess...
0: She's not Chalcedian.
1: She's the Chalcedian heart. She's of Yes,
0: because she knows Chalcedian customs and stuff. Mm-hmm. It doesn't... She could be Chalcedian, but Cirilla specifically... I don't think she is because Cirilla specifically says that she is the one who was knowledgeable in Chalcedian things, and she says something about Cirilla diving too far into the customs or something mm-hmm. like that. So I think she's just kind of leaned into the that culture advocate or whatever yeah i think she just leaned into the culture a little bit too much and became a little bit more um a little bit too submissive and in the women in their place role that Chelseaans have
1: mm. okay
0: because okay. that's what Cyrilla was kind of like looking down on her for i think right
1: no that definitely makes sense i yeah okay well then I never guess, mind i guess
0: it could she could be chelcedian yeah. still but she definitely
1: could but yeah. no i i was I was thinking feels weird that they would poison one of their own, but then I was like, well, she is a woman. So,
0: <laughs> so maybe yeah, it doesn't
1: matter that she's Chelsea. Dien because she's the satraps woman and they don't like him. So yeah. she's got to go, but no, yeah, definitely. well, rough chapter. Yeah. Definitely not a fun one to come back from or come back to after a nice break. But, yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: it's, it's a very important chapter in Cyrilla's development. Unfortunately, it has to be. Yeah. But again, we, we talked about this at the beginning of Cyrilla's kind of arc here, right? That in fantasy, a lot of the time, poorly written characters are like, oh, and then here's some sexual trauma to make the person toughen up or something, right. you know, and that's awful. But the way we discussed it, Robin Hobbs set these pieces into motion and honestly, this is the end result. If you look at the very beginning of those right. pieces, if you're on board with a bunch of Chalcedians and a satrap who either wants to sleep with you and doesn't care about you and like is basically Chalcedian himself, this is a real possibility. So yeah. Again, I want to say that I don't think she's just kind of shoehorning something in to help Cyrilla's character, help, quote unquote, I will right. say, or evolve um Cyrilla's character, but still awful to read. So
1: <laughs> Yeah, I think I think I really don't like that part about fantasy of kind of just sexual trauma being a tool in fantasy Mm -hmm. specifically. I'm sure there are other genres that also do it, but specifically fantasy. I think that's a pretty well-known trope and I don't.
0: Well-known trope for bad writers. Right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I don't, I, I don't love that it's used at all. I mean, I don't know. It's hard. It's, it's a very complicated thing, right? Like Mm -hmm. I personally don't like it and I wish that it wasn't in this book even though hob does a really good job of writing about it i just
0: just would prefer don't not to have it to in, read a, it in escapism my fantasy book,
1: book. yeah <laughs> yeah so i i think there's that and so that's kind of the side of the coin i fall on of like yeah this is really well done and i think she does an amazing job of not victimizing cirilla i think that's that's the main thing about this chapter that is really important to me personally is mm-hmm. that while cirilla is a victim she's still other things too. Yeah. And she's still a fleshed out person. And like, that is just something that has happened to her. And so I appreciate that it is handled in that way. And I appreciate that it is not focusing on the acts happening to Cirilla, but instead how Cirilla is dealing with the acts, the, the remnants and the, the trauma of the acts of what have happened to her. Like, I really, I think that, also gets her away from some of the lazy writing that is done in fantasy sometimes, or it's just kind of a gratuitous sex scene. And this isn't that. Yeah. And I do like, I do appreciate those aspects and I think it's really important that she does it. And I do, it does make me think about, we had somebody write in saying that they actually like, that Hobb has done this chapter because it forces a reader to confront rape in a way that isn't talked about in media and isn't shown a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And I agree that that is a really important take. It's just really hard to read.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know. So, um, yeah, (laughs) I guess that's my thought on
0: it. Tough chapter. We'll, we'll definitely talk more about Cirilla as, um, as more things come to light in her story, but I believe this is the end of this section of the book. So we won't see her for a little bit. Um, Cause it seems to be her chapters are at the end of each, each section. And I think in the last book we get more of her. So we'll probably revisit her in the future in maybe a couple months. Yeah. I don't remember exactly when her next chapter is, but
1: whenever they get to Bingtown.
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: <laughs> so yeah, it's, a bit of ways, but we really don't get to see a lot of Cyrilla She's not a central main character. She's kind of, I, I mean, I guess we've kind of heard more from her than we have from, um, the sister, um, Kefria. Yeah. Then Kefria maybe like it's equal. about the same amount yeah. right now. So they're about the same level of like
0: but secondary Crilla, character. Crilla gets a lot more in, in ship of destiny. Right. Yeah.
1: So yeah, definitely. Ugh. yeah. And unfortunately, not the last rape we have to talk about. No. And
0: and this one honestly is handled a little bit better in its conclusion. Yeah. yeah. And character development. So, yeah. again, we'll get to that.
1: <laughs> we, we, don't worry, guys. You have that to look forward to.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, thank you so much for uh, following along, tuning in. If you have thoughts on this episode, please let us know. Um, please let us know if you... Would like us to bring up anything um, that you feel we missed about this episode or hey. reactions to it? Uh, you can email us at isfitshappy at gmail.com or you can message us on any of our social medias as well. We're at isfitshappy at Facebook, at Twitter, at uh, on threads, on YouTube, on Instagram. And um, we're always reading all the comments. So thank you so much for tuning in as always. Welcome to the new year. Yeah. And we're looking forward to another year of episodes. and hopefully getting maybe halfway through ship of destiny. (laughs) I'm guessing we got another, like at least another year and a half before we finish the third book. We'll see. This
1: series is turning into never ending because of this specific trilogy, but yeah, we'll get there eventually.
0: We'll get there. We'll get there.
1: Yeah. But thanks for tuning in. Um, Make sure to, Sign up for the list of people who are going to beat up Cosgo. I will yeah. be first in line. So sorry, you have to get behind me.
0: Um, <laughs> oh, add. Make sure to add the the questions to ask Robin Hobb of uh, if Lord Durden had any pre-existing conditions. Yes. What, what was his
1: pre-existing conditions? Was <laughs> it aggravated by the type of medicine or drugs that they put in his drink? We'll yeah. see.
0: Or was it poison?
1: Was it poison?
0: <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for tuning in.
1: Thanks, guys.